podcast, which is the recording of our live show, Andrew Alert. You can now listen at your leisure and at your convenience. If you're new here on Anthro Alert, this is where Renee and I, your hosts, and sometimes a guest, analyze, break down, and discuss different topics each week anthropologically. Enjoy. Hey, Bulls, how's it going? It's uh, 3 o'clock, beautiful Friday afternoon here in Tampa, and you're listening to Bulls Radio, WSF 89.7 HD3 Tampa, 1620 AM on campus and streaming worldwide at TuneIn.com and the TuneIn app. You can go to bullsradio.org to learn more. <clears throat> so if you're listening, then you know that you're listening to Anthro Alert. But if you're new here, let me tell you a little bit about what we're all about. So this show is simply about anthropology and why it matters. Uh, each week we discuss how anthropology is relevant, and over time we feature various guests from the department to discuss their research um, and to weigh in on everyday topics. So we believe that this is a good opportunity for us as anthropologists to better connect with the USF community and to raise awareness of the value of an anthropological perspective. So just like every week, we'd like to preface our show with the disclaimer that the statements that we make and the opinions that we express on AnthroAlert are our own and may not necessarily be representative of anthropology as a discipline, the USF Anthropology Department, USF, or student government. So today we have a very special show. Uh, Dr. Christian Wells is back to speak with us, so that's cool. We have another returning guest. People like us here on AnthroAlert. That's, that's positive. Um, but he's also brought two friends, Jesse Casanova and Kevin Oner. Uh, so Jesse and Kevin are both returning Peace Corps volunteers and have come to the show today to tell us a little bit about their experience, but also to talk about the, uh, the Coverdell Fellowship Program here at USF. So welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yep, glad to be here. Great. Uh, so before we get into the conversation, um, we'd like to recognize Dr. Christian Wells for some of his recent accomplishments. He's recently awarded the Global Achievements Award for Outstanding Global Student Success and the Jeremy Krivnik, Krivnik Distinguished Teacher Award for his international work with students. So good job, Dr. Wells. Hey, thanks, Spencer. You did it. <laughs> After all these years. <laughs> Okay, so let's hop right into the discussion uh, here with our three guests. Um, can somebody tell me, so for our listeners that may not be familiar with the Peace Corps, can somebody tell us a little bit about the organization, what it does, and, th and the role of volunteers? Yeah, this is Kevin. Um, Peace Corps was established uh, basically by John F. Kennedy just to give us an opportunity to not only serve abroad and share our culture with people internationally, but also for these international communities to share their culture with us. And then another goal of the Peace Corps is um, that we can share what we've learned in the Peace Corps experiences with our friends and family back home. Mm. Great. Yeah, I just, I'll just add that um, Jesse and I went to a, a Peace Corps um, training conference in D.C. recently, and I learned that since the Peace Corps was founded in 1961, that there have been over 170,000 uh, people participating in the Peace Corps. That's mm. incredible. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And currently, just this year, there are over 7,000 volunteers serving in about 70 countries around the world. Hmm. So it's a huge organization. I didn't realize the, the size and scale of this. Wow, yeah, that's larger than what I had initially thought. Yeah, I know, and Peace Corps has also been very instrumental um, overseas. Uh, a lot of other organizations have modeled what they do. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, 
via what Peace Corps does. So, for mm-hmm. example, JICA, which is a Japanese international cooperation agency, COICA, which is the Korean international cooperation agency, um, Europe Aid um, is also they're creating a new model for their you know, to have volunteers um, go abroad. Um, and so all of these Peace Corps had a big fundamental um, impact in how they how they run and what they do and where they do it. Um, so not only are we impacting communities around the world where Peace Corps is located and where Peace Corps volunteers live, but also the Peace Corps model itself is impacting organizations um, at the governmental and intergovernmental levels mm. um, around the world as well. Mm. Yeah, it's a really interesting philosophy that I think would be of interest to the anthropology listeners um, and that's the idea or the theory that through education and capacity building, especially in developing countries, um, you can promote peace and stability. Mm. And so that's the peace and peace corps. Mm. So we've kind of we've talked about the model a little bit, um, but what are the role of all these volunteers that they have? So volunteers work in different sectors, mm-hmm. um, and the, as as Kevin um, mentioned, while they're in country, so there are two specific roles. One is not only to to be able to learn about the culture and to and to assist in in the ways that they're able to uh, to work. So mm-hmm. the main areas are education. Um, they're looking at um, uh, education, community development, community health, um, youth empowerment is another one. Um, and so volunteers work in a various amounts of uh, various types of sectors mm-hmm. in different countries around the world. Um, so, so in that aspect, you know, they're they're engaging in the culture, but the idea is to also learn from that culture, you know, mm-hmm. and what can we do to bring those ideas and to bring those cultures also back to the U.S. and be able to to express and to teach and to and to help others understand, you know, a more multicultural, multicultural, inclusive context mm. within where we are here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'll add, too, is a lot of the work is motivated by the host country. It's not the United States coming in saying, here's what you need to get done, and we're going to force this upon you. A lot right. of it's um, needs that are raised up by the host country and by the particular host communities, and that was refreshing for me that yeah. we were working with people on the ground. And for me as an engineer, mm-hmm. I'm used to jumping right in and saying, like, here's the problem and here's how we're going to solve it. Right. But they're like, you know, your first three months in your host community, it's all just about walking around, getting to know your community, getting established, right. and hearing what their needs are instead of imposing what you think their needs are. That's that, that aligns so well with our, our applied anthropology mission, yeah, where the definitely. problems in communities are defined by those communities. They're mm-hmm. not defined by some anthropologist or anthropology student mm-hmm. trying to look for something to do. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's very anthropological. And so now the Peace Corps and USF are in a partnership to um it's called the coverdell fellowship that's the newest version of our of our um (laughs) changing ever-changing relationship with the peace corps okay uh it's it really started a number of years ago with a faculty member in engineering jim mahelsik who brought a master's international program to usf uh, from his previous uh, place and he really helped shape uh the graduate experience for uh, peace corps at, at usf and unfortunately, um, after many, many years uh, in operation, the Master's International Program uh, is no longer with us. <laughs> Peace Corps has decided to cancel it. Mm-hmm. So th- that was a program where you could pursue your uh, Peace Corps um, volunteer experience 
right alongside your graduate experience so that you'd mm. graduate with a degree, uh, a ma typically a master's of science or master's of arts, along with having completed your Peace Corps service. Is there a reason why that was kind of disbanded? As well, a I think there's some controversy still there. Um, oh, okay. According to the um, individuals that Jesse and I spoke with in D.C., it, they really did a, a long-term program evaluation <coughs> and spoke with a lot of the countries uh, that received uh, Master's International students, mm -hmm. and they just decided that the program wasn't um, meeting its its goals. Um, okay. They weren't seeing that this um, graduate students that were um, in the MI program, they, you know, they just said that, well, they're not as any different than any other kind of uh, Peace Corps volunteer. So they just decided to, to disband it and put hmm. most of their effort instead into this um, Coverdale Fellows program. Okay, interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about the program? Sure. It's a program that offers um, financial assistance to returned Peace Corps volunteers uh, who want to pursue a master's or a Ph.D., um, and at USF, we have a number of opportunities where they can do that. Uh, we've got public health, um, civil and environmental engineering, applied anthropology, global sustainability, and now nursing is, is a new one. Uh, but uh, students, uh, re returned Peace Corps volunteers, can join these um, graduate programs at, I mean, it depends on the, the particular program, but it's really very, very little cost. Mm. And in most cases, at least in case of, of applied anthropology, you end up uh, paying pretty much zero for uh, tuition, um, and you get a, a pretty healthy stipend on top of it. Well, that sounds like a good opportunity. It's a great deal. I don't know why <laughs> yeah. people aren't lining up. Yeah. Well, that, you know, how many people do you, do you have in the fellowship? Or? <laughs> None. <laughs> None, okay. It's brand new. It's brand new this oh, year. So our okay, application okay. deadline is December 15th, and so we're, we're out there spreading the word, trying to get more applicants. Trying to actively recruit some students into applying? Absolutely. Okay. And how many applications do you expect? Do you have a ballpark? Millions. <laughs> no, I, I really have no clue. Um, we just had USF World is a... Um, sort of organizing all the Peace Corps efforts at USF, and they really graciously stepped up and spent quite a, a number of resources to get us a really beautiful ad in the Worldview magazine. And this mm -hmm. is the magazine that goes to return Peace Corps volunteers. And so thousands and thousands and thousands of people have seen this full-page cover ad um, right as you open the, the magazine. It's really cool, really mm. beautiful. I don't know the, the graphics people that put it together, but it's really nice. And so just from that ad, I've, I've received a couple of emails of interest, mm. um, but we really just want to push it and, and hope we get a lot more applicants. That's fantastic. Um, so how did, how did you, or how did USF decide what, what colleges were going to be a part of the program? Like what master's degrees were going to be available? Oh, it was know? just people who were interested. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, there were advocates all over the place. And um, like, Jesse, you can talk yeah. about your experience, but. Yeah, so, yeah. so the colleges that were part of the master's international program mm -hmm. um, at that point were only the College of Public Health, um, in Engineering, uh, engineering with Jim Halchick and of course applied anthropology mm. um, with Dr. Christian Wells, and so when Peace Corps decided to make the move, you know they also gave those colleges the opportunity to transition into the Peace Corps prep program. Mm -hmm. So we saw this not only as an opportunity to maintain the relationship with Peace Corps, but to you know create something new that would be very useful. Um, and as other colleges heard about this, you know this opportunity, they also jumped on board. Mm. Um, and so, it really, it's been one of those, um, one of those opportunities that, that just comes by, and then 
you know, the more people that apply, obviously, the better. And uh, we've been quite successful. You know, we're one of the only large universities that has so many programs um, within the same university uh, context. So we, you know, we've got five different colleges um, across USF that really have applied, and they've, they've, we've all had strong applications, and Peace Corps has been very excited to have us come on board um, mm. with all of this. And we're the only university in the U.S. of A. that has a Coverdell Fellows Program in Applied Anthropology. Really? Yeah. Yep. Huh. That's, that's interesting. We might have to talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Jesse and Kevin, you guys are, are both returning volunteers, but what, what connects you to the fellowship here at USF? Your guys' positions here at USF? or Yeah, so I came down here originally in the fall of 2008. That was Dr. Mahelsik's first year here at the University of South Florida and when he established the Peace Corps Master's International Program. So at that time, I just took two semesters of classes, and we were required to not only take engineering classes but also take courses in public health and mm-hmm. anthropology uh, to prepare us for our Peace Corps service. So I mm-hmm. served abroad in Panama from 2009 to 2011 as a water and sanitation volunteer. Mm. Um, so my long-term goal is I'd love to integrate international service, um, possibly with the Peace Corps um, in the future as a professor. So I'm here getting my Ph.D. and trying to figure out, hey, what does a program look like where we can integrate these international service opportunities, especially, you know, could be two years of long-term service in the Peace Mm -hmm. Corps. Um, So I'm back here trying to help set up the Peace Corps Coverdell uh, program. We also have a program called Peace Corps prep for undergraduate students who want to go into the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. So I just had a great experience of my own in Peace Corps, and I think USF is on the road to setting up additional Peace Corps experiences. Kevin, can you mention your um, study abroad or study away program? I thought that was so awesome, so unique. Yeah, so um, this past um, March, uh, I was able to work with uh, USF Honors College. And I had a great experience as an undergrad working with Engineers Without Borders. So I thought, hey, let's see if we can get um, undergraduate students here the opportunity to spend some time abroad. Um, so I developed, it was just a, a week-long experience um, over the honor student spring break. And 20 students signed up, and we basically had um, a few um, preparation meetings beforehand. And then we went and visited a current Um, USF Masters International student in her Peace Corps community in Panama. Mm. Uh, So we spent three days with her um, learning how to build a drinking water storage tank. Um, So they got to work with them. Um, And then we also um, were able to do some public health education in Mm. indigenous communities um, school there. So it was a very quick trip. I think it was um, for a lot of the students their first time traveling internationally, their first time on a plane. And my hope is that this will just be their first step of many steps to come as far as seeing how they can use their skills they're developing as a student here and use that for international service. That's great. Can you talk a little bit about the Peace Corps prep program that you had mentioned? Yeah, so Peace Corps prep, it's a way that students, undergrads who are interested in doing the Peace Corps can basically have this certificate saying, hey, I worked really hard. I'm more prepared than someone who didn't take this Peace Corps prep um, program. So Mm -hmm. Um, it has to do with taking different language classes, having some sort of service opportunities, mm. um, taking courses in their particular subject area, such as education or the environment or, or public health, so that way they can show that to Peace Corps and say, hey, 
I'm prepared, I have these language skills, I have these technical skills, I've had these service opportunities, and then they get preferential placement going into the Peace Corps. Hmm. What's cool about that program at USF is that it dovetails really nicely, and this is for the undergrads listening out there, dovetails nicely with the Global Citizens Project. Hmm. And they have their own uh, certification where you can become certified as a global citizen. Um, <laughs> but if you do that, you also meet the criteria, or many of the criteria for this Peace Corps prep program. And so it's like a two-for-one. Hmm. And to kind of piggyback on that as well, you know, we're working hard to find ways to integrate the Peace Corps fellows and the Peace Corps prep. Yeah. So they're not two standalone programs. Um, so the idea is to have the Peace Corps fellows be involved in some of the Peace Corps prep uh, meetings, mm-hmm. functions, mm-hmm. as a way to mentor and to give them really that um, that in-person story, that in-person experiential process that they would want mm-hmm. um, to better understand Peace Corps. And so... You know, we're, we're finding ways to, to connect both of those programs. And what undergrads should know is that you can do the Peace Corps prep program, and it doesn't mean you have to go into the Peace Corps. Mm. I mean, it's really designed to, to get um, undergrads to be more globally savvy and mm. be more interested in yeah. different peoples and cultures and languages and so on. So mm. there's no requirement that you have to go into Peace Corps. Uh, to do the Peace Corps prep program. So everybody should do it. It should be required for all undergrads. Right. Mm. And in addition to that also, the Peace Corps prep program is not limited only to U.S. citizens, so international students That's can right. also do and be a part of the Peace Corps prep program. Mm. Um, un- unfortunately, you have to be a U.S. citizen to be able to apply into the Peace Corps, so they wouldn't be able to apply to become Peace Corps volunteers, mm-hmm. but they will still get that certificate from Peace Corps saying they've, they've completed that process. And it'll also count towards Global Citizen Project, mm. um, and they'll also be a part of a lot of the activities and programs that we have throughout the year, or that we will be having throughout the year. Um, so it's still a, a win for them, mm. um, because it, it really is the experiential portion of it while they're students. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody with any kind of documentation status can participate in this at USF. Mm. Jesse, I don't think you got to mention your connection to the fellowship here at USF. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, so I was a Peace Corps uh, volunteer. I've done Peace Corps twice. So mm-hmm. I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Togo the first time working in natural resource management. Um, and then with that, you know, we, we had several projects, um, you know, where I lived. I was in a very, very small community. Um, there were about 200, 250 people in my community. Um, I loved it, though. It was it was absolutely great. Um, and then later on after I finished grad school. So I, I finished my Peace Corps program in Togo. Um, went on and did grad school and then came back and did what's called Peace Corps Response. Um, and then as a Peace Corps Response volunteer, it's a, it's a bit of a higher level position. And so mm. I was working in Cameroon. Um, and then so within that, I had an, an office at the U.S. Embassy. So I was working out of the embassy as the point person for the uh, National Health Portfolio for Malaria. Mm. Um, I was working with an organization called Malaria No More, um, and liaising with civil society organizations, community-based organizations. Um, and then I also had an office with Peace Corps where I was helping to train volunteers on formative research, monitoring, and evaluation, which also took me to Senegal. So I did some work in Senegal doing the same types of activities. Um, shortly thereafter, I, I came to USF, um, and currently I oversee all international programs in the College of Public Health. Um, and so when I started working at USF, um, you know, I, I took over the Peace Corps Master's International Program in the College of Public Health. Um, and, of course, we've made that natural transition into the Peace Corps uh, Fellows and the Peace Corps Prep. Um, and so you know, I've been working um, you know, very, very much hand-in-hand with not just Christian and with Gia Mahelchik, 
uh, James Mahalchuk, uh, but also with some of the, the leadership at the university. So you know, Dr. Wajid Brinley, Dr. Kiki Kurusin, they've both been very instrumental in kind of helping shape this uh, for the university itself. Um, so we've all been working together very, very well to, to make this happen. Great. I think that's a good pause in the conversation. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to have Jesse and Kevin talk more in depth about their experiences being the volunteers. Hey, Bulls. How's it going? Listening to Bulls Radio, WUSF 89.7 HD3 Tampa, 1620 AM on campus and streaming worldwide at TuneIn.com and the TuneIn app. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to Anther Alert. And so if you've missed the first part of the show, well, you've really missed all of the show. We've been talking about <laughs> the Peace Corps and the USF partnership with the Peace Corps. So starting the Coverdell Fellowship for returning Peace Corps volunteers. So you can come and you have the option of like four or five different master's and Ph.D. programs that you can um, get a very nice financial um, help in doing so. And so we're going to we have two returning uh, Peace Corps volunteers and they're going to talk a little bit more about their experiences, but also how one can best prepare themselves um, to be a volunteer. And so, Kevin, Jesse, do you guys want to maybe comment on that? Yeah, so I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Panama. Uh, so I served from 2009 to 2011. Um, so it was a little different for me because I was a part of the Master's International program, so I had to apply to both um, the USF Graduate School and the Peace Corps at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so the process was an extended process back then. It's been more refined uh, recently. Um, so once I got here on campus, I took my courses, and then I was um, went to about a two-day training in Washington, D.C., mm. and then I went down to Panama City, and I had a 10-week training. It was um, had elements of language, culture, and technical training, and I felt like I had an advantage just because I had some graduate courses, and I knew I was going to be a Peace Corps volunteer mm -hmm. um, well before I left. Um, so an average day in training was um, four hours of technical training, four hours of language training, and then you live with the host family. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a very full experience, and it wasn't just classroom learning. We got to go and visit um, volunteers um, for three nights. We had a technical week. We had a culture week. Um, so it was a great opportunity to really understand what being a Peace Corps volunteer was like mm -hmm. through the training, and that had the benefit of you're going through this process, in my case, with 35 other um, Peace Corps volunteers, because after your training, you go from being around 35 people you spent 10 weeks with, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're the only person from the United States in the community in which you're living. Right. So it went from this 10 weeks of being with everyone else to two years of being you know, the only United States person. So I was a water and sanitation volunteer. Um, I lived in an indigenous community in western Panama for about two years. Um, so the first three months or so was just getting established. I lived with the host family in my indigenous community. And then after that, I started um, holding meetings. We organized um, water committees and sanitation committees. We are trying to figure out, hey, what are the needs in water and sanitation in the community, mm -hmm. and how can we work together both from maybe an infrastructure standpoint but also just from a knowledge and training standpoint so that mm -hmm. after I left, after serving for 24 months, they didn't need to volunteer anymore. They had 
everything they need to meet their water and sanitation needs in their community. Mm. Well, okay, so you're kind. Of, so it wasn't just you know once you left, another volunteer would take your place, and it was you know it was just kind of always having a volunteer there. There's some communities who only have like one volunteer for two years. Other communities say, hey, we we have a six year plan, so I'll be three volunteers, and each volunteer will spend two years there. So the first volunteer may be getting things rolling. The second volunteer may be you know perhaps building some infrastructure, doing some more training. And then the third volunteer may be, hey, you know, let's see if we can operate and maintain everything here. In my mm-hmm. case, water infrastructure, sanitation mm-hmm. infrastructure. So that way, by the end of that six-year period, the community mm-hmm. could operate and maintain mm-hmm. everything effectively. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, your experience in, you know, going from being with Peace Corps volunteers to really being the only volunteer there in your community? kind of how you had to, uh, you know, adapt or you know, assimilate to your environment? Yeah, I think the Peace Corps training was great training in the fact that they kind of broke you in slowly. I feel like if we just hopped off the plane and landed our communities, there'd be a large percentage of us who maybe wouldn't have the tools we needed both technically and socially and um, with our language training to make the two years, but they really break you in so you're kind of building up these skills and you become more and more confident that hey I can you know take care of myself and do the work that I'm trained to do Mm -hmm. um, for two years so I felt that Peace Corps training did a great job at adjusting us so that we could be effective in our particular communities. Mm. Jesse would you like to comment on your experience or I guess two experiences? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah Yeah, no it was uh, I had really a great experience so my as, as Kevin mentioned, you know, you arrive and you you call you consider a Peace Corps trainee, um, and so for you know for us it was three months. So we were in training for three months, which included language training, it included technical training, it included um, a, a, acclimatization not mm-hmm. only to the new climate that most people were not accustomed to, but also to um, to the culture. You know, and uh, one of the things that that they mentioned when we first arrived was you know they showed us the uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and so uh, one of the, the Peace Corps trainee trainers that was there with us when we first arrived inverted that upside down, and she said, "Here's the thing, you know, most of you, you know, when as you've grown up in in your culture and where you live, you you already have most of these bottom needs met. So you have water, you've got food, you've got shelter, and you know how that works. But when you go into a new culture, you don't." So something as simple as when you live in a community that doesn't have, you know, toilets, you know, latrines. How do you do latrines? Latrine management, you know, cleanliness, hygiene when it comes to that. Water, how do you purify water? How do you make sure water is safe to drink? How do you store water? Um, keeping it away from the sun, if it's in plastic bottles, keeping it away from the heat as much as possible. You know, putting water bottles on the floor usually keeps water cooler than elevating it and putting it on a shelf. Mm-hmm. So those those small things that you don't think about as important because we don't really need to worry about them um, suddenly become very important and so they go through these steps with you you know and so after your your three months of training um, with your entire training group but everyone has their own host family to kind of show you the ropes you know as, as you will and so once you finish with that training you do you take the oath as as anyone else would take that works for the government um, and then you go into your community, and as Kevin mentioned, you're there for two years. Um, mm. My community, the nearest person who 
was not uh, native from West Africa um, was about 50 kilometers away. Mm. And so that was a that was a two-hour motorcycle ride for me mm-hmm. as a passenger, obviously, not as a person riding in, in the front um, or, or driving the motorcycle itself. But I was, you know, it, it took a while to get out, to get resources, to do these things. But in all reality, it was a great experience. I, was, I, work, I worked with my community doing natural resource management, reforestation projects, uh, doing natural composting, soils, doing uh, working and putting together uh, water committees um, for water pumps that we put in the communities you know, where I work, um, showing them how to can foods um, that uh, in most places in West Africa, there's, you know, there's mono crops. So you, you know, everyone grows tomatoes one year. And so suddenly you have a lot of tomatoes that go to waste. Well, what can you do? Well, we can can them. There's already, the cans are there um, already. It's just teaching them how to, to do all that. So it was, there were a lot of projects. Um, I was also involved in a project that really looked at um, HIV AIDS prevention and stigmatization mm-hmm. um, called AIDS Ride. And so uh, Togo was divided into five regions, and we had four volunteers and four counterparts per region. And we tra- we went on our bicycles, and we biked for a week, up to 200 kilometers throughout the entire week. Uh, we went to small communities that were only on foot trails, so there were no vehicles going in or out. Um, and we talked about HIV and, and AIDS and you know the, you know how to protect yourself and and stigmatization and, and mm-hmm. all of those things. Um, so it was, it was a very impactful experience. Um, and then the the second time that I was with Peace Corps, it was in Cameroon. So my my experience was my experience was vastly different. Mm-hmm. So it looked more it was more at the national level. Um, so I had you know as I mentioned earlier, I had several offices you know throughout the country, whether it was at the U.S. Embassy or the Peace Corps office or with malaria no more, but mm-hmm. the idea was working along the same lines, which was malaria prevention. Um, and then in Senegal, the same thing. Um, we have a Stamp Out Malaria Boot Camp where we bring in volunteers and we bring in Peace Corps staff, local Peace Corps staff from um, all around Africa uh, to Senegal. So we fly them in, and it's an intense 10-day boot camp where we talk about formative research, what is malaria, how it's spread, how can you create programs, how can you monitor and evaluate those programs, and what impact will that have uh, because that has to be done in collaboration with the ministries of health in each country, um, and of course civil society organizations, community-based organizations. So how do, how does that work? Um, so it was it was a really good experience. Hmm. Did you guys, um, you know, two years is a long time. Did you know what kind of challenges did you guys face over that time? And did you have any particular like negative experiences that comes to mind? Make like misunderstandings maybe with some like some individuals in the community or. Um, as you were kind of adapting to, you know, this new sort of cultural environment and physical environment? Yeah, two years is a long time, and if you don't have the tools you need to last for two years when you're living on your own, you will have difficulty. Um, So I think some of the lessons learned were that, like, you need to integrate into the community in which you're living. You're Mm -hmm. not there just to get your work done and then retreat into your hole like you Mm -hmm. are a member of that community and that's where you will live for two years Mm -hmm. so I felt for me really making like a 24-7 effort to really walk around to get to know people to be like hey this is my home and I really need to get to know people here Mm because for example there was a time when um, I had some uh, stomach illness Mm -hmm. and I was throwing up and my host father they said, hey, you need to go to the hospital, and he put his backpack 
on his shoulders and, you know, helped me to the bus stop to go to the hospital. And if I didn't, you know, fully integrate and have people who I could trust, that would have been an even worse experience. So Mm -hmm. I felt some of my greatest discomforts were maybe like when I was sick, I couldn't just plop on the couch and turn on the TV and have my mom make chicken noodle soup. (laughs) Like I was just sitting in a hammock without air conditioning and just waiting till I had enough energy where if I was sick enough, I'd have to go to the doctor's office. So I'd Mm -hmm. say just some of the comforts of the United States as far as air conditioning Mm -hmm. or hot showers (laughs) or, or couches. Those are just some things that you don't have, Yeah, but that's, those are stories that you'll remember when you come back home. <laughs> but for listeners, that's very rare. Nobody really ever gets sick on Peace Corps. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I think one thing Peace Corps volunteers are very noted for doing is talking about their bowel movements oh, all the time. Um, because, you know, it happens. Right. Um, but, you know, as, as Kevin was mentioning, being sick um, and not having that sense of, of security, you know, um, with with medicine or uh, with with care in general, uh, but Peace Corps does actually go to extreme extreme lengths to make sure that volunteers are safe, mm-hmm. that they're healthy, um, and they will go way out of their way to make sure that everyone is, is doing well. Um, but of course, people are going to get sick. I myself had malaria mm-hmm. uh, when I was in Togo, and I was taking my malaria prophylaxis as as I should have, um, and so it just happened that I ended up getting malaria, and it was. I actually had like an 80-20 mix of 80% Alciparum, uh, Plasmodium, and then 20% Vivax. And Alciparum is the uh, um, cerebral malaria, so it's really the more dangerous one. It's the one that you hear that that kills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's that's the uh, the one that's that's uh, culpable for that. Um, so being sick is, is is one of those things. And of course, as you mentioned earlier, you know there there are always going to be misunderstandings. Mm-hmm with individuals, with people, with groups. Um, but one thing that I find is, you know, if, if you learn how to kind of compose yourself and, and how to articulate and communicate as much as you can, they're very gracious mm. to to really forgive you of, of the faux pas or to forgive you of the misunderstandings and, and mm-hmm. are open to, to helping out. Of course, you're always going to have individuals that really aren't. Um, and so one thing that I find is, um, and I think Kevin might agree, is the, the community members themselves um, that you live with, as you mentioned, you're a part of that community, and to them, it's a great source of pride to have a Peace Corps volunteer. So they're going to go out of their way to make sure that any misunderstandings are cleared up and that uh, the volunteer's safety is is uh, paramount. One question I always get is like, "Hey, did you feel unsafe in your Peace Corps community?" And I always respond like, "I felt the safest there out of any place I've lived, including the United States, yep. mm. just because of my particular community." It was kind of off the beaten path a little bit, and they were all family, and they really wanted to have a Peace Corps volunteer to help them improve the water and sanitation in their community. So Mm -hmm. I felt like everyone there was really looking out for me and my best interests, and I felt safer there than any other place I've lived. You were probably actually safer in Panama than in most parts of Tampa Bay. (laughs) Yes, that's probably true. (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys retained any relationships from the communities that you stayed in? Absolutely. I still contact my counterpart. Uh, so Peace Corps, they, they uh, pair every single volunteer with a counterpart locally. And the idea is that counterpart is almost like your supervisor. So they're supposed to be there to help you to, uh, you know, to acclimate to the culture, 
introduce you into the community because most of these communities you have to really be introduced into to become a part of them. Um, you can't just walk in and, and expect to be accepted. Um, and they do that graciously and, and very well. So to this day, I still keep in contact with my counterpart, with his wife and his kids, and um, and we're in communication often. And so it's it's always it, it's been a very great relationship and very impactful. And I would say, with social media, that's been even easier recently than even than it was for me when I was in the community from 2009 to 2011. So with like WhatsApp or with mm -hmm. Facebook. Mm -hmm. I still get messages, you know, every other day yeah. on Facebook Messenger, or I'll get like a WhatsApp voice message saying, "Hey, greetings from the community. We're thinking of you." So, yeah, with social media, it's been very easy to maintain mm -hmm. contact with my community, yeah. and, and it's really good to maintain those relationships. And they never actually use my my American name. So when I got into my community, I was given uh, local names. So actually, there were two different ethnic groups where I lived, and so each ethnic group decided to adopt me, and they each gave me a name. So for um, the Ife, uh, my name is Komivi, and Komivi means little brother born on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, for the Kabye, I was Mafusa. Um, I like that one. Yeah, <laughs> which means he who laughs a lot because apparently I was laughing and smiling <laughs> a lot. So I'm gonna call you Mafusa. So, from so they started. They started calling so every time I would go visit them. They would all. They would always call me Mafusa, and that was my name. That's great. Um, yeah, I, this is this is making me interested in in the Peace Corps and and trying to be a volunteer. So I think we have to kind of wrap up the show now. Um, but I just kind of wanted to see if you guys had any closing statements, any any takeaways, but also, you know, how I guess just kind of wrap up. How did being a volunteer, did it change your perspective on on things like maybe how the world works or, you know, how did it influence you and in what you're doing now or what you kind of what you've chosen for your career? Yeah. Going into the Peace Corps is one of the best things I ever did. For me, I went right after my undergraduate experience, and I felt that was a great time when I wasn't tied down by a family or a house or a job that I could have this very long-term, you know, two-year experience where mm -hmm. I could really feel like I was living a different type of life. And now coming back to the United States, I consistently reflect on my Peace Corps experience because I grew up in one city for my first 18 years and if you live somewhere it's like oh this is the way things are done and this is the right way to do things but when you go somewhere else they do things differently and you're like oh they do things differently and this is almost like a better way of doing things they may have a stronger emphasis on family or relationships and those lessons I learned from having this two-year experience I consistently reflect on and try to implement during my life back here in Tampa. Mm. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say it was definitely very impactful. Most, um, I would say the, the greater number of volunteers will test uh, will attest that they really kind of came into their own as far as their passion for, for their career um, as a Peace Corps volunteer, uh, myself included in that. So I was really, I really fell in love with public health mm. during that time, mm -hmm. um, whereas before that really wasn't something that I would, would have considered. But during my time as a Peace Corps volunteer, public health became central to, to kind of what I do, um, and 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 my career path itself. Mm -hmm. um, so it was definitely very impactful. Um, but I'll also to add, so I know that we were discussing this earlier before you know we were on the radio. But you know, uh, there's also a growing number of volunteers that are 
you know, the, the third age volunteer. So they're not the 18 to 20 year olds. So, I mean, I've met volunteers that um, were 60 years old. I've met volunteers that were 80 years old um, in, in Senegal. So, you know, age isn't necessarily a factor for people who, who have that passion that, you know, want to be in the Peace Corps, you know, so that, that really opens up a lot of doors for individuals. For example, those that have retired or are retiring but still, you know, want to go out and have that experience. You know, mm-hmm. you know Peace Corps wants individuals with that life experience to to help not just mentor the volunteers that are there but to really impart some of that knowledge into the communities. Mm. I think those are some great closing statements. Uh, Dr. Wells, do you want to bring us home with <laughs> the... With a song? <laughs> <laughs> With maybe the the strengths and benefits of an anthropological perspective for either a volunteer going in or maybe a returning volunteer. Oh, well, anthropology is totally ideal for this. And those uh, students that we have already that are in anthropology are really well primed to to enter into the Peace Corps. And, you know, just hearing the uh, Kevin and, and Jesse talk about their experiences um, and, you know, hearing what's on the radio nowadays, um, mm-hmm. what's going on in politics and in the U.S., um, Really, uh, I would say fundamentalism, fundamentalist thinking is mm-hmm. like the greatest threat to, to what we're facing in the U.S. right now. The idea that my position is absolutely correct and you're absolutely wrong and there's just no other way. Mm. Peace Corps completely shatters that. Peace Corps shows you, these experiences show you that there are so many other people in the world. You're not alone. Uh, there's so many other ways of thinking about things and doing things. It'll just totally change your, your, your entire experience. I think that's a great way to close the show. So oh, I want to thank you oh, guys. One, one last thing, oh. if I may. Oh, yeah. I just wanted yeah. to uh, – I forgot the whole reason why we were here. <laughs> so 2016 and 2017, USF won the top Peace Corps producer awards oh, hey, for large go. universities. So we've been All in right. the top 20 for the past couple of years in Woo. producing Peace Corps volunteers. It's really awesome. Hey. And if anybody's interested, we have an awesome Peace Corps recruiter named Wilney. And her email is just peacecorps at usf.edu, or even easier for somebody like me, you just Google USF Peace Corps, and you click that link, and you can get all of our contact mm-hmm. information, learn all about these programs. One-stop shop. There you go. So that information, if you would like to learn more, will actually be on anthroalert.com, so along with bios and a summary of what we talked about today. So everything will be right there for your convenience if you want to go look around and explore uh, Peace Corps opportunities. So we'd like to thank you for listening today. I would like to thank my three guests today. This is the first show that we've had more than two guests. So I think we worked out the logistics. I think it went pretty smoothly. Um, Thank you for listening. We will be on next week, and have a great weekend. Happy holidays.